Hello, and welcome to Home and Hope. My name is Lauren King, and I have the privilege of serving as the Executive Director for Tarrant County Homeless Coalition. We're so excited to bring you our new podcast called Home and Hope, community conversations about what home means and why it's more important than ever to have hope for our community. Each episode, we'll be exploring different perspectives from people in the community on what it means to have home and hope. Homelessness is not something anyone can solve alone. It's a community issue and will take all of us leaning into the difficult conversation so we can move forward together. We have a vision of a vibrant community where everyone has a place to call home and understanding what home and hope means to our community is important in that journey. Join in the conversation and be part of the solution. Hello and welcome. I'm Lauren King, Executive Director of Tarrant County Homeless Coalition. Thank you for joining us for another conversation on Home and Hope. Today, I'm excited to welcome my friend and colleague, Joel Hunt. Joel leads our community's street medicine team, meeting the medical needs of people living on the street. Joel's been working in our community since 2014, relocating here from Salt Lake City. He's known around the nation for his work in street medicine and the innovative ways he works to deliver healthcare to those who are most vulnerable. He's passionate about restoring hope and dignity to those who have been deprived of these throughout life. Joel, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to get this conversation started and to get your perspective on home and hope in our community. I know we'll get into some good stuff as we often do when we're working to solve these big issues in our community. So welcome. Thanks, Lauren. I'm super excited to, to be here and look forward to this conversation. So people know a little bit about you and your background now. So talk to us a little bit about um, how do you impact homelessness in our community? Well, um, I, I think my impact on homelessness, or at least what I hope my impact on homelessness is, uh, like most others working in the field of homeless services, uh, I think has to do with dignity, empowerment, trust, advocacy, but ultimately, and perhaps most importantly is hope. Um, specifically, the way I, I bring hope to people experiencing homelessness is through whole person healthcare. That's that's my shtick, but that's, um, like I said, I think that's in line with homeless services in general. Um, and I, I also, from a healthcare perspective, I really like um, the spirit of the World Health Organization definition of health. Um, and it's the health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And the part that I like the most um, that speaks to, I think, the healthcare community um, is that <clears throat> health is not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. We, you know, we mm -hmm. think you're healthy just if you're not sick physically sick and that's just not that's not true um and so that's the goal that's the health that the team and i um, that i get to work with that we operate under is that our goal for health is that um, complete physical mental and social well-being and doing what we can our part in that is the health um and so that's that's where we spend our time um, but acknowledging that it's just one piece of this much larger puzzle. Mm -hmm. And um, so as an outreach team from Acclaim, uh, partners with, partner with uh, JPS Health Network, 
we work, like you said, in the emerging field of street medicine. Um, so what that looks like is bringing primary healthcare services to people experiencing unsheltered homelessness um, in their reality, right where they are, both literally and figuratively. Um, so we go to the campsites, woods, bridges, parks, sidewalks, wherever that might be, mm -hmm. and try to provide general primary care for chronic conditions like diabetes, heart failure, COPD, asthma, some psychiatric issues as well, and some acute problems um, that can be handled outpatient. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of wound care, follow up with people after hospitalizations or emergency room visits, take a lot of referrals, a lot of referrals from um, the health system, primarily JPS, um, but also a lot of community um, referrals from partner agencies in the city, police and fire. Um, and I think through these encounters, we engage with patients with a developmental model of engagement process and, and the pre-treatment process of mm -hmm. our goal is meeting them, like I said, kind of right where they're at, whatever they have and need and address it in, in that way. And, and we have to get out of our brick and mortar mindset of healthcare delivery and, mm -hmm. and um, match the patient with where they're at. And I think it's really been interesting over the last um, 10 or 15 years of doing this, mm -hmm. watching um, how important these lessons learned that the streets teach us that delivering healthcare, how important that is for all of healthcare. This isn't something that just people living without homes mm. um, kind of need. It, it, it's, then that's one of the things I love about doing what I do is I, street medicine just strips away so many um, facades on both sides, patient, provider, um, environment, and mm -hmm. it, it puts, it brings raw the, um, the elements of, of need and hope and truly what we can address. Um, so some of that, and, and um, back to the question of impact, I think is just building rapport with patients. Mm -hmm. um, that's absolutely foundational and critical. And in, in any, I think in any endeavor where humans are involved, business, mm -hmm medicine, whatever. Um, and so building the rapport with a population of people that have probably had a lot of um, broken promises, broken relationships, um, it's, is quite, um, I think it, it is like a gift of real uh, honor to be able to, mm. to engage with people in, with that history and that they will enter into um, a trust building relationship with us. And so mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And one of the things I love um, the most. And, and so we, that's kind of the foundation that we start from and, and move through those other ways that I mentioned of trying to help our patients navigate towards a healthier outcome. And I mean that healthier in, in all the ways that, mm -hmm. that we said. Yeah. Wow. That's great. The, um, I know at, at the Homeless Coalition, we talk a lot about just the profound impact that relationships have on uh, people and people experiencing homelessness specifically, because a lot of times they've gone through a lot of loss of those relationships and um, you know, what that does look like for people to, to rebuild that with um, 
a provider perhaps or with family or or whatever it may be and and what an impact that has on people's lives in general so yeah so you told us a little bit about what you do and how you impact homelessness um now for kind of a bigger question for you um, what's your why Joel why do you do what you do well um i i do this because uh i think in a way i see myself in the people that we serve and I and maybe there's some way of trying to save myself or mm. um I don't know I just see a reflection and maybe that's a, a strange way of, of answering that that question um but I'll I, I think it's both kind of um in some ways you could maybe even argue selfish like a self um why why go down that path if it's seems somewhat self-serving somehow and perhaps others might look at that as selfless and I think it's probably a honestly a, <clears throat> a true mix of both at the end of the day with um with humanness but I'll I was thinking of, about this question and kind of went um it just I I followed my path back to kind of the beginning with my family and mm-hmm. um I grew up in a home um where um service was was really uh, important and um it had a high high value and um so when I connect with people um experiencing homelessness it's not out of a place of a, like a shared experience of homelessness like mm-hmm. some um some people might have um but but out of a place of maybe the um of experiencing loss and disappointments and failure in the in in the way that all humans experience it and not at all trying to measure mm-hmm. ounce for ounce of who had more loss or pain um because mm-hmm. that that seems futile in the in the long run because pain is is pain pain just hurts and um and it's not you know i also think of pain as not necessarily bad or or evil in fact there's some real benefits of pain you know it keeps us from keeping our hand on the stove or helps us um get our foot off of a thorn um it's a reminder also that we have feeling and that we're alive but it can, that pain can um, linger and worsen over time, obviously, and even over time be worse and more painful than the, than the beginning, um, the, the, um, the source of the cause of the pain. And I think with that and kind of going back to my family and, and whenever I see the, um, the folks that we get to serve, I, I see, like I said, not really only myself, but my family, mm-hmm. um, friends, people like that, somebody's somebody mm-hmm. that's somebody's mm-hmm. friend mother son um and growing up like i was saying with with this bent towards um helping others and sacrificing for other people um that was a big thing in my in my house so for better or for worse wealth accumulating wealth and climbing ladders of success was not um 
big push uh, and mm-hmm. not measured by dollars, but rather more this focus of character and the core of, of who you are. Um, my parents were pretty insistent <laughs> on teaching us to, to think of others before ourselves. And somehow I mm-hmm. think maybe some of that made, made it through my thick skull um, and, and sunk into to a large degree. So I think they have a lot to play is what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. um, in, in any of the goodness that comes out of me. Um, you know, and, and kind of le- living the motto, if you borrow something, you, you uh, return it better than you found it. Mm-hmm. And as a role model uh, from my dad, his um, method or I guess like language of love is is service and doing and doing for others. And that played a big part. And then another really, I think, foundational part where, where my uh, mom and her mom, my grandma, were really incredibly non judgmental mm. and just loved everybody my grandma until she till she died it was just astounding and she was 99 and everywhere she just lit up the room and and didn't matter race creed color she did not care she just cared about you know the person behind the eyes and and um so those are like really big influences obviously uh in my life that i i think is where a lot of this stems from um but also life experiences that I had after that came um, together in a really strange way, um, I think, to get me where I am now, to mm-hmm. make, uh, make it all come together. Uh, so after, after high school, I, I uh, worked on ranches or during and after high school, worked on ranches and cowboyed around uh, different ranches around the country and uh, did a lot of horse training and mm-hmm. um, I was super fortunate to work with older ranchers and cowboys and horse trainers and they um, taught me to look at horses not just as beasts of burden but like as a mirror reflection of, of humanity and mm. and see uh, these animals in a way um, that that mirrors, I mean, some of it was anthropomorphic for sure, but it really was very enlightening. And I can see a direct um, correlation between what I do now and what I do then, and just the approach to someone or uh, some, in this case, a horse that doesn't want to be approached perhaps, or maybe mm-hmm. they're just scared out of their mind. And, mm-hmm. and a horse, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. You have, you know, a half ton animal trying to that's scared and you've got them cornered um, and, and we're just the same way as as people and I've drawn a lot of um, drawn a lot of uh, drawn a lot on I should say those those experiences and those um, those times with with those great um, teachers back then of mm-hmm. ranchers and cowboys um, and then um, I was had I had a lot of great fortune and, and one of them um, was to be able to, to travel and I was able to um, see some of uh, Mexico and spent a summer in, in Africa and some other places um, and saw 
um, of the way other a lot of the rest of the world lives and I think more profoundly was how a lot of people in other world die mm. and what their struggles are like and comparing that to my struggles at, at home and how I grew up which again back to comparing is a dangerous thing but it is um, it is helpful to see mm-hmm. the measure of somebody um, else's struggle and, and to give some honor to their to their plight and um, and so I think it really highlighted that I was I had been given a lot um, it mm-hmm. impacted me in a way of, of gratitude mm-hmm. going back to the fact that I did nothing to deserve or earn my station in life my privilege mm-hmm. my getting the parents and family that I had um, and the other kind of takeaway of those late teen, early 20 years were um, being able to see those, the, the same people in their struggle and their happiness, their apathy, their joy, their despair, and their resilience in places mm-hmm. um, and, and in their faces of places that you just wouldn't expect one or the other. Um, you know, you, you might mm-hmm. travel to a very affluent area and see this despair that you wouldn't expect to be there contrasted by absolute pure joy in in very um abject poverty and it really just all of this all these things were churning and and mulling over in my my mind in my soul i think Mm -hmm. um then um then i joined the army (laughs) 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 and that uh, that's a whole different way of thinking and seeing. And one of the, um, I think one of the greatest things, I think this would be true if you ask a lot of people that have been in the military, um, you just get surrounded by so many different people that you would probably never otherwise interact with. And then, mm-hmm. and not just like kind of interact with, but really interact with, depend on to complete tasks, to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. to follow like a lemming out of something that just seems absolutely stupid to do. Um, and you're just sort of all in it together. You lose a sense of autonomy uh, mm-hmm. for, for a period. You, you kind of, um, I think I felt at times just absolutely worthless, just a, just a number, just a, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a widget, a tool, an instrument. Mm-hmm. And that also, um, I, I think about that at times like that those were really it's a dark place to be to feel mm-hmm. like you have no value um yeah very true so thank you uncle sam for that <laughs> um and i think um then the darker side um seeing death seeing dying seeing violence um that that's kind of where a lot of this and where in, in my, that's where a lot of things just started to happen, I guess, part of it was age, but just all these experiences kind of came together and, and out of that had a lot of um, questions, you know, what, with death and, and violence, what are we, what are we doing to what end? Why do mm-hmm. we do this to each other? Mm-hmm. Um, why do we kill and why do we maim? Why do we, 
harm? Does anybody win with this? Is there a victor? Can there be a victor? Um, so it, it was, that was, it's all an odyssey, but that was really um, a point, a, a real jumping off point of kind of searching um, or, no, not searching, um, that too, but, but um, defining, I think, of kind of where I wanted to, to go and circling way back to the beginning of the question is the pain. And I did not like um, my pain and I didn't like to see pain in others hmm. and I that's um, I think that's kind of how I got where I am the hmm. culmination of all of that is where is what got me here I did mm -hmm. not set out to uh, work with a poverty population of, of people experiencing homelessness I set out uh, in, initially after PA school to work with um, undocumented, undocumented folks, migrant farm workers, and fate had it in Salt Lake City that um, where I could get a, a job that fit, tick most every box for me was at a, a clinic, an federally qualified health clinic for people experiencing homelessness. And within a week of working there, I realized that was, that was, that was it. I was hooked. Wow. Um, and, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, that, that's the why it's a mm -hmm. long, that's a lot. <laughs> that's okay. That's good. Um, I've talked with other, other guests who we've just reflected on the fact that, you know, often as humans, we think that our, path will be somewhat straight and like here's how we're going to go from here to there and here's what we think is going to happen and in reality it never happens that way um it's always you know twists and turns and and also that you know everyone has that story and especially and even people experiencing homelessness clearly you know as what their life story is and how it leads us to where we are now and um you know just like you and I have a story everyone that we we served does as well so yeah impactful um, so you talked a little bit about uh, how you grew up and, and uh, that sort of thing. So um, for you, another question would be, what does home mean to you? So home is so intertwined typically with, with who we are. It's hard to think about our life without home. Um, so for you, what does home mean? That is such a powerful question, I think. Um, and it's shrouded in experience, history, context for the individual and home to me of course is, is many things like probably to most people but the first thing that comes to my mind whenever I think of home is a place where I feel safe um, mm -hmm. physically and emotionally safe to, to be me without judgment um, where there's acceptance and love uh, I, somehow I guess Hallmark has made that made its way into my mind because we did not have a fireplace growing up whenever I think of home that word fireplace always is there mm -hmm. um, sort of warmth um, mm -hmm. it's a, a space that's that's mine um, it's where um, my heart's compass needle always points back to you know it's true north that mm -hmm. that place um, is is home um, it also means duty and responsibility mm -hmm. it means um to some degree, a burden such as bills, fixing broken things, 
mm-hmm. um, and just in responsibility, like I said, maintenance. Um, but at the end of the day, it definitely circles back to memories of joy and, and the anchoring of belonging in a, mm-hmm. a, a you know, cornerstone, a mm-hmm. place to, to belong. Absolutely. So my next question for you is, um, that was, I would say, a a very um, hopeful answer, but a very um, comprehensive answer. I I echo your thoughts on a lot of that. Um, And it's interesting, not a lot of people have talked about their physical space. Um, So I think it really speaks to the construct of home and how we feel about that. So looking more toward our our larger community, um, what's something that gives you hope about our community? That is both an easy question and a hard one to articulate, but it's it's easy in that it's the people. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. the people is what are is what gives me hope um, for our community and just hope in general. Um, mm-hmm. The people I get to work alongside with, the people I get to serve. I, I get hope for our community from them um, to see um, it's sort of just kind of a mirror and, and maybe, you know, who is it coming from me? Is it coming from them? Is it just mm-hmm. picking up between the two of us? And I, I sense the hope um, from, from the people I interact with. I see the resilience and strength um, and an incredible and indelible will to carry on through hard times. Clearly mm-hmm. this, um, I believe if my memory serves me right, tomorrow marks the one year anniversary from the first meeting of uh, coordinating our homeless services response to COVID. It does, yeah. <laughs> and um, and that, and I mean, what, that, that was a pretty hard time, still mm-hmm. is. Um, and so through that, and before that, was just the collaboration. I've only been here um, about six and a half years, but just since I've been here, I've been able to see even stronger collaborations and communication. Um, and and I and I, that gives me hope. That the work itself gives me hope. Um, and, and watching the our community just work together. Mm-hmm. Um, is it's all these little things um, of us coming together and tackling the big issues mm-hmm. um, and, and being honest and open. That doesn't, you know, that, that means that hard things are said, but that is how things move and get done. And, and that, all of that together um, gives me hope. Mm. Right. So, Often people experiencing homelessness, and I know I know you've experienced this uh, firsthand, need a second chance or a third or a fourth or a fifth, whatever it may be. What's the best second chance you've ever received in life? Well, um, I think I was, I, I feel like probably the, the, I'm oblivious to the best second chance I ever received. And I, I think due to my privilege, my, the, the fortune that I've had, I think I've, I probably had a second chance that I didn't see. I just expected 
and didn't mm-hmm. think that it was a second chance. It was just something owed to me. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like I probably can't answer that honestly with, with, oh, here's this point in time that was my best second chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I know for a fact, I get a million second chances all the time. Mm. Um, every day people are kind to, to me for showing up late or misspeaking or, um, you know, not making sense. And somebody redirects me or somebody, I'm not know don't know where I'm going. And they help point me in the right direction or, um, grumpy one day and they let something slide. Mm-hmm. I just think that those, any single one of those isn't very mm-hmm. profound, but the collection of those is, is what, um, that's, that's how, that's the fabric of, back to the question a second ago of hope, that's, that's the thing. That's what um, mm-hmm. those second chances of, of looking past and giving grace mm-hmm. um, is really powerful to me. Mm-hmm. And that question was also really poignant um, or is really poignant because it, I think it, I can only speak for myself. It highlighted um, the things I take for granted and mm-hmm. the, the, what I'm calling privilege and what I believe is, is privilege. And um, so kind of too much is given, much is expected. So that was um, mm. a good, it's a good reminder. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, people giving grace and, and those interactions between, between one another. Tell me about a, a patient or a person who touched your heart and tell me about one who potentially changed your practice. Oh man. Um, it's really hard to choose just two. Um, there, there was a, a lady, um, lady that I used to see, this was uh, back in Salt Lake and, um, she was in her twenties and was just generally super bubbly and happy and bright eyed and full of life and, um, a great kind of wild frizzy blonde hair. It was perfectly messy. It was, she was just her she just like radiated energy and and happiness most of the time mm-hmm. um she had um an opioid use disorder that would get in the way of that energy um at times but mm-hmm. despite that she persisted and kept on and she um did all all um sorts of things um to get money and some mm-hmm. of that would land her in jail. Uh, some of that would land her in the emergency room from being beaten or raped. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite all of this, um, and just a horrendous childhood, um, a horrendous, from the outside looking in, a horrendous existence. Um, mm-hmm. And she still radiated this this happiness but she 
had a really hard time, it seemed, in seeing that in herself. Mm-hmm. And um, so we worked on that. We, were, we would see her all over the city. Um, would just, and, and so we'd also see patients in the jail. <clears throat> and so one time, one time <clears throat> excuse me, she was in the jail in the infirmary and so it's a single person cell and we just saw her through the door and there's a big um window uh, on the door that you have to kind of yell through but can talk through and she's there um it was great because she was clean and sober and had been mm-hmm. uh, back on some medications that that helped and it was a really great experience in trying to prepare for her uh, inevitable release from jail and game plan after that and picking up her health care and so we concluded said goodbye see ya and we uh, walked away and we got a few paces away and she yelled through the door joel so i turned around and she and she just said um i'm so glad i'm worth seeing mm. and wow. to me that i just i had never it was there was just so much in that moment that that mm-hmm. stays it's a very memorable moment that you know that she wouldn't that people have a thought they're not mm-hmm. worth being seen mm-hmm. um, they're not worth being followed up on um or cared about or thought about um so that one is the they're all kind of the same heart toucher mm-hmm. um and and motivator um but one that that changed my practice i would say was for somebody i was fortunate enough to see in my memory he's he's a, like the first day i ever did street medicine he might not have been because at the very mm-hmm. very early days mm-hmm. and um again this was in salt lake city as well um I had no idea what I was doing, just no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I was out riding around with outreach workers who did know what they were doing. So I was just like, you, you tell me what I'm just trying to figure this out. And um, I was like, oh, there's this guy we really want you to see. And and we go and see him and super nice older guy, laid back, easy going, had some easy to address health problems mm-hmm. um and it just went smooth like like textbook i was like this is gonna be so easy <laughs> this is a piece of cake and so we, we wrapped it up everything went great he was gonna go to the pharmacy get these medicines that were gonna be really helpful and change him and i was gonna see him the next uh several days later and the only thing that happened in there was that I saw him several days later and he hadn't done anything. And we went and gave, you know, a reason and, um, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. I missed it. And, and went on uh, about how some, some things came up and it was the third time seeing him in about as many weeks, three weeks, um, that that's when I realized, um, I had to totally radically change the way I was thinking of people and it, mm. it just wasn't that simple to just just do this and then it just gets done and that mm-hmm. he he helped highlight things 
that are have been consistent since then um, mm -hmm. of how how many barriers there are um, in in his I'm every bit believe that he intended to go wanted to go mm -hmm. and, and help and get help he also turns out had quite a um, significant mental illness that wasn't readily um, mm. diagnosable mm -hmm. that really um, complicated things and that was a lesson but most of all it was the lesson of the shift in the power dynamic that in traditional healthcare settings patient it, um, is mm -hmm. not in the power seat right you mm -hmm. you go to this place and the people that are there are in the power and power seat and and, and there's an interaction um, that happens mm -hmm. but it's pretty clear who's um, who's kind of driving the bus sort of speak mm -hmm. um, and on the streets it's just not that way we're coming to them in their space and in their reality so we're essentially in their home mm -hmm. and um asking them can we help you is there something that you need and um so he helped me see that and he also helped me see that success doesn't always can't always be measured by the same measuring stick mm -hmm. um and that for him, the day that he went and got his own medications from the pharmacy was an absolute day of celebration. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was amazing. He made it, figured out the bus, got on the bus, overcame some fears to get to get to the right connecting bus, to get to the pharmacy, to get the medications that he then took. And, um, and so, you know, in normal healthcare, that wouldn't really measure as a right show up as a blip of, of measure um and for him for him it did and for so many others and, and just really relooking at what what matters and what mm -hmm. should we be what should we be measuring so he was um he really changed the way set this set the tone really i often refer to him as my professor um mm -hmm. set the tone mm -hmm. for how how to approach people experiencing homelessness in their mm -hmm. healthcare. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, it's very, very true about, you know, how, yeah. So, I mean, celebrating all the things along the way. Um, so kind of one, one last question related to um, the work that you do in your opinion, or if you could give people advice, what's one thing that people can do to impact homelessness in our community? I think the one thing, um, gosh, there's so many one things. Um, how about I give out a few one things? Okay, one sure. thing is, um, is and, and I run into this periodically, and it's often, almost always fantastic that somebody or some group just invests in one person's life mm -hmm. and really takes... Um, I want to say ownership because that is wrong, but they really in, they just invest and really surround mm -hmm. one person experiencing homelessness and really try to get to know them, find out their needs mm -hmm. and, and help that one person. And I think that is really, really powerful. If we did that as a community, as a nation, mm -hmm. it, it, 
I'm not sure that you and I would have the jobs that we have. Um, I think homelessness would be a whole different, uh, much less of a an issue. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because that is, it's hard to, it's hard to hate if you, if you know, it's hard to assume if you get to know people, it's, you know, and the stories come out and the reasons come out. And <clears throat> so that's a really powerful thing. It's also a time intensive and not just necessarily done by the seat of your pants mm -hmm. sort of thing. So it's a bit more, so that's mm -hmm. why there's a, a few things. I, I also think sharing, um, <clears throat> sharing space with somebody experiencing homelessness, um, can be, can be very <clears throat> enlightening in a, um, um, you know, somebody that's, maybe they're panhandling, maybe they're not. Um, but it, I guess it just goes back to that same thing, investing in, in people, investing in getting to know somebody um, is super helpful. Um, I also think some of the more generic can do to everybody, doesn't cost anything, mm -hmm. is simply, acknowledging the existence of mm -hmm. people that you see that are experiencing homelessness looking them in the eye smiling saying hi pre-global pandemic shaking a hand um mm -hmm. but now you can do a fist bump just to acknowledge their humanity that there's mm -hmm. that we actually have a lot in common you're a human right. i'm a human and there's so much we have in common mm -hmm. um and that to me um it is one, and I've heard that from from so many people, so many patients that are experiencing homelessness. That just those the smiles, with uh, their panhandling at a corner, people genuinely smiling and acknowledging them from their car. Mm -hmm. It they're it's helpful because they're not they don't love standing there holding that sign. It helps acknowledge mm -hmm. them in a positive way. So that's a very um, cheap and free way. Another cheap and free um, and powerful thing is to get to know the resources that are in someone's community. Mm -hmm. I think that is really empowering and a big difference I've seen um, in myself. If I go to another city and get approached by somebody experiencing homelessness, I feel completely, I, it's like I'm a whole different person. Like I've never worked mm -hmm. in homeless services because yeah. I don't know what to tell them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that must be how most people feel. Mm. Um, so knowing the resources, knowing what is out there is really, really, really helpful. And that's the gift that you can give people experiencing homelessness is to redirect or direct them to those mm -hmm. services. Um, it also, for those that are wanting to volunteer or to do something, knowing what's out there can highlight what's not out there, um, or, or highlight the, the agencies that are trying to fill those gaps mm -hmm. that someone might have an interest in. Mm -hmm. And they can go to that agency and find out how they can how they can help. So that's a lot of one things, but um, it kind of covers a bunch of different aspects of one Yeah, things. I mean, it's a big issue. So I think there are there are lots of different ways that that people can impact impact the issue and impact people who are who are serving. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I have one last closing question, and it's a bit on a lighter note. Um, what's the theme song to your life, Joel? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't 
I that I struggle with narrowing that down. I I'm going to go with because I, I I love um, Johnny Cash, so I'm going to go with Man in Black. Okay. The lyrics. You can have another. Other others have usually selected too, but yeah, we we'll go with that one. Love that one. Chris Christopherson's Pilgrim Prog- Pilgrim's Progress is really um, I really resonate with that song as well. Okay, great. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. Um, we'll make sure to link any resources we discussed today in the podcast description, and we'll share any information that we talked about with the community. So at the Homeless Coalition, we emphasize time and time again that homelessness will not be solved by any one profit, nonprofit alone. It was going to take a community effort and everyone truly being part of the solution. So, Joel, we so appreciate everything you and your team do to make sure everyone is cared for, regardless of where they live in our community. Um, make sure to join me again in two weeks as I welcome Pastor Ryan Price, the Senior Minister of Broadway Baptist Church, to learn more on his perspective on home and hope in our community. Until then, thank you. Mm-hmm.